today's parable is a very familiar one, a well-loved parable. It's also deeply unfamiliar. It's so different from the way the world tells the story of our lives. This parable is about the overwhelming abundance of God's love, which looks past our failings and our stubborn pride and is always seeking to receive back the lost. The parable shows us three aspects of God's love. The end of God's love, the object of God's love, and the character of God's love. So first, the end of God's love. You may not be able to tell, this was already a long gospel reading, but there are actually two parables that were taken out from the middle of it. The first three verses talk about, give you the context. Jesus was welcoming sinners and tax collectors, and the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling. And then Jesus tells three parables in response to that situation. You know the parables, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and then the parable of the, what we call the prodigal son. Each of these stories uh, follows a similar pattern. There's something that someone considers precious that is lost, and then it's after seeking is found, and then there's great joy and celebration. This, this last parable is really masterfully told. It's told in such a way that its hearers might have expected it to end two times before it actually does end. Um, the first time it could have ended, we might not expect, but it would be one that would be very, uh, that ancient hearers would be very sensitive to. It could have ended when the younger son hit rock bottom. Um, this would be a standard morality tale, right? The younger son comes to his father. He's extremely dishonoring to his father. Basically says, I wish you were dead so that I could have the inheritance now. But remarkably, his father relents to his request, gives, gives him his inheritance, and he goes and lives wildly and spends it in dissolute living. And so the readers have no sympathy for the son, and when the son kind of gets what's coming to him, he's hungry, he's poor, he has no way of feeding himself, and he's doing what to a Jew would have been the most unimaginable job working with pigs, wanting to feed off the, what the pigs were eating, the readers could have said he got what he deserved, and the story could have ended right there. But of course, the story doesn't end there. It could have also ended where you probably thought it was going to end, <laughs> at when the younger son comes back, and you have that familiar, he was dead and is alive, he was lost and is found. Um, this is a natural ending. It would have matched the parable of the lost sheep. It would have matched the parable of the lost coin. Uh, it's the same story as those two other parables but the story doesn't end there. Even the actual ending of the story, though, is unexpected. The elder son comes back, he hears about the celebration, he's grumbling, he's complaining, and the father uh, comes out, sort of gives up a bunch of honor to do that. It would have been very disrespectful for the son to not come into the celebration. But the father comes out, pleads with his son, and the story ends unfinished. We don't know what the son does in response to this father's pleading. Does he say, ah, you're right, and come back and join the celebration, or does he stay where he is? And I think we all know why Jesus did that. I mean, that's why those first three verses in the story are there. Jesus was telling a story that would appeal or that would, re that would relate to 
those who were actually grumbling to what he was up to. Um, there are a bunch of elder sons around Jesus, and he's, asked, he's saying, you have to decide for yourselves. Are you going to reject what God is doing through Jesus, or are you going to accept it and come in and celebrate? The truth of the fact, the truth is that these false endings give us a clue about the way God intends to end his story. God's story avoids both of these false endings. It's neither justice without mercy, where only the deserving get in, or mercy without justice, where everyone gets in no matter what, whether they like it or not. But rather, God's story ends in reconciliation, where unjust and unmerciful lives are transformed by God's grace. God's love is a gift, and we must receive that gift by faith. But that gift also has the power to transform us. It is mercy that leads to justice. Well, when you look out at the world, when you look at, at your own life and the stories that make it up, where do you typically expect the story to end? In justice without mercy, like a morality tale? In mercy without justice, kind of like a fairy tale? Or do you take the, the teaching of this parable to heart and look for God's grace to transform lives and communities, to bring about reconciliation. So the end of God's love, the goal of that love is reconciliation. What about the object of God's love? I said this story, this parable is traditionally called the parable of the prodigal son. And in some ways that's unfortunate. It's a misleading title because as soon as you say prodigal son, you focus on the prodigal, the younger son. Um, if you follow the other two parables that we just heard, the lost sheep, the lost coin, you'd expect this parable to be the lost son. And as soon as you name it like that, then the question is, which one of the sons is lost? It poses that question naturally. And of course, the younger son has a, a claim to that, right? He, was, he follows the pattern of the coin and of the sheep. He was lost and then found. Um, but as the story progresses, you see that the older son is just as lost as the younger son. Ironically, it's the younger son's return that brings to light the older son's alienation. But the elder son, his whole, in the whole story, he appears to be close to the father, relating close to the father, but he's just as alienated. It's interesting to look at how the two sons relate to the father, how they address the father. Look at the way the younger son does. Even though he was disrespectful and dishonoring, he always considered himself the father's son. He addresses him as father. Even though, even when he thinks himself unworthy of that honor, he still knows that he's a son of the father. The elder son, though, look at the end of the parable. He never calls him father. And when he describes his relationship, he describes it in terms of servitude, right? He was a servant. I slaved for you. Uh, I've done everything I was supposed to do, like a, like a worker would do to a, a, a boss. That's why the younger son, when he comes to himself, he has a right understanding of his need, of his bankruptcy, his moral bankruptcy, but also of his relationship to the father. And the question we're left with at the end of the parable is, will the older son come to himself? Will 
he then come to his father, come back to his father, be reconciled by recognizing that this lost son is his brother. There's that beautiful exchange between the father and the elder son at the end where the elder brother's complaining and he says, this son of yours, and the father says, no, this brother of yours. So the, the, the goal of God's love is reconciliation. The object is all the lost, the young ones and the old ones, those who know it and those who don't. And finally, the character of God's love. How does the father relate to these two sons? Well, he allows them both the freedom to reject him, which is really astounding when you think of it. He goes out of his way to bring reconciliation, to do everything that he can to restore their relationship. In other words, he loves them with a truly prodigal love, a lavish, generous, extravagant love. There's a children's Bible that I sometimes read to my kids, or I did in the past, and uh, every time it describes God's love, instead of just saying God loves us or something, it has this elaborate phrase. It says, he loves us with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. That's the part that I choked up with before. (laughs) Children's Bible. (laughs) The character of God's love is prodigal. Lavish, generous, and extravagant. So the question for us is, could this image of the father rushing out to receive his son really be an image of God's love for each of us? Could it really be that God desperately wants to receive me and you as his beloved children, unworthy as we are. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are.